you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. The Around the NFL Podcast. Already used all three timeouts. From the Chris Wesley Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. The Sunday flagship edition. I'm Dan Hansis. Here with Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. It's heroes both. Uh, boys, by my calculations, which is always a little, you know, a little bit of a high wire act, put it that way. That's true. This is our 100. And 74th Sunday flagship program. Mm. Don't check the math. And we've done so many now. And many of them, they float away. It's just the nature of the beast. This is our 11th season. But sometimes on these Sundays, something happens that you'll always remember that week and that Sunday. And what happened with Miami Dolphins today and we're going to get to it in just a second. I'll always remember week three of the mm. 2023 season, cursed however it may be from a personal standpoint, for seeing something that I had never seen previously. We're in a brave new world in Miami. I would say when I think about my own um, memory skills at this stage, I don't know if I'll remember that it was in week three a couple years from now, but I will remember it. I will. Because these beatdowns <laughs> um, stand out as something totally unique, and we were watching it happen in real time uh, they beat the. They covered the spread by forty three point forty three and a half points. <laughs> it doesn't happen too often. Yeah, I think it was it was a good luck uh, by the good little boy by the West Bros. That spread in there. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something happened that you would never have seen before that you'll remember forever in the luxury box in Kansas City. I thought because that you will remember too. Is this perhaps the most memorable week three in the history of around the NFL? Perhaps it's in the conversation. A strong candidate. And we'll end this show because we, you know, we had a beefy two, heavy two uh, last Sunday. Two hours. Um, <laughs> we're going for a heavy three because the <laughs> no. final hour today will just be cataloging every week three since 2013. <laughs> oh, boy. A lot of work for um, a big funk behind the glass. And Eric, just start pulling data. 
Yeah. Pull a bu- uh, like a butt ton of data from the history of our show. Please. Big Funk thought he was going out for like a nice evening martini. Don't think so. He gone. All right. Let's get to it. Let's start where we must start. Not in the luxury suite at Arrowhead, although eh, pretty interesting place to be. And we had a spirited conversation that I'm still trying to figure out if we could have that conversation on this show. No. I figured it out. No. Okay. Well, hold that thought. Let's start in Miami where history was made. <laughs> A-chain, the running back, chosen a flank to the right. Wake up. Barrios in motion. The pitch to A-chain. Oh, Off the left side. 40, 50. He's gone. Oh, no. 30. Nobody's going to catch the A-chain. Touchdown, Miami. Well, you want to see A-chain speed at its best. What a day. The rookie out of Texas A&M has had. He just outruns everybody. They make this extra point. They're going to 70 points on the day in an NFL game. You don't see that. Not eight day, minutes left. <laughs> Devon A-Chain rushed for 203 yards and four scores, including the 67-yard fourth-quarter dash that allowed Miami to enter rarefied air in football history. The Dolphins scored the most points in a game by an NFL team since 1966. Destroying the Broncos, seventy to twenty. What? What? Give us a what? 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 Give me another one. Make it a hat trick. That's not Greg. That's Sean Payton. Unbelievable. Yes. Uh, Mike McDaniel masterclass and doing it um, to Sean Payton, who I have to say, in an otherwise rough Sunday and what's going to be a season of rough Sundays for uh, the old Zeuser, it doesn't suck seeing Sean Payton get a (laughs) 70-burger dropped on him. Um, Yeah, so a historic performance by Miami's offense that just scored at will, Greg, in this game. How at will? Like, just paint a picture of, how often and how easily they, they hmm. dominated this game? Well, they didn't attempt a field goal. So, you know, 70 divided by seven. That's 10 touchdowns. No. Stopped on downs at one point. Oh, my God. Uh, they went for it on fourth down, and they were stuffed. Wait, they on like scored a 10 touchdowns today? This, they, they scored 10. They had over 700 total yards. College they just missed the NFL okay, record. football's like, you can't. You, Give us some data points. Us. Okay, yeah, I know. <laughs> Like, I want to talk about who did well, but sometimes just the stats are so overwhelming. The 726 yards, this actually may be crazier to me than the points, is the second most in NFL history. The record is by the Rams in week one of 51. Against a that team, doesn't count. Against a team I did not know existed called the New York Yanks. I no, mean, that's not even that football. That's you a baseball what? team. You know what? We work for the NFL close enough. We decide what yes. the rule book on this one this is the record for yeah, most total yards. Yeah, right. That's and, from like four Earths ago. And frankly, uh, the 72 points, which was the regular season record, only happened in 66, which is like, that's a completely different sport. And that coach, Otto Graham, had to take a timeout with two seconds left to get those final three points because he wanted the record, whereas Mike McDaniel could have kicked a field goal at the end of this. I mean, they put up 70 in 52 minutes. Uh, a few more. Okay, go little, ahead. I was gonna, you want to hear from McDaniel why Please, he didn't choose go. to do it? Sure. I try to think through all my, my decisions and um, hold them with, uh, you know, the importance that, that they do have. Um, it felt like chasing points and chasing a record um, 
that's not what we came to the game to do. Um, that doesn't have a bearing on the overall season outcome. And I just didn't, uh, I, I saw it as, uh, you know, in that 10 times out of 10, you, uh, you, you concede and kneel down in those situations because there was a, there was a attainable record um, that was cool, but the message that I thought it would send uh, wasn't really in line with how, how I view things. Oh, he's one of a kind. He really is. Uh, Everything he says, he's like one of those guys where no matter what he says, it's kind of funny. I don't know why. <laughs> well, there's a yeah. certain delivery yeah. to it. Uh, there's so many weird stats in this game. One of them that struck me was they were five for nine on third downs. Good percentage. And I thought, well, they scored 10 touchdowns. They ran 70 plus plays. They only had nine third downs. Isn't that an insane stat that you only got to third down nine times? And when you guys rewatch this whole thing, I know you saw plenty. What? I think we'll take you well, is the running game that as great as a, a schemer, Mike McDaniel is known for getting two of the ball out of his hands quick. He was known in San Francisco for skinning the run game. That was his whole thing. And they went over 350 yards rushing and it was a chain and it was Raheem Moster breaking tackles. It was an embarrassing performance uh, by Denver. They each ended up with four touchdowns. And some of their runs were the most exciting plays in the game. And it's amazing to think how we were concerned about this offensive line. Like, oh, this one, they might not be talented enough. And they were blowing open some big holes. And like last year, despite the explosive nature of the offense, the run game was not always consistent or reliable. And you're right. Like, he, the reason Debo Samuel kind of became this explosive runner was... Mike McDaniel. And then he goes to Miami, and you're, now you're seeing the effects again. And it's like I know it's a copycat league, and we're like, oh, this is going to be a Shanahan offense. Well, it's a Mike McDaniel offense. It's completely running into its own new worlds and territories. And there are things you can't duplicate. And I think they broke Denver's will out of the gate because these players are too fast. And so next-gen stats, and I know we kind of make fun of this because it's like, oh, so-and-so, everyone's running 22 miles an hour. 21. But, right, the, fa- the <laughs> if, five... If people ran 22, it would be more notable. Sure. The yeah. five fastest registered times this season are all by Dolphins. That That's a thing. And that's the thing. You Crazy. can't, you can't like, the next team that wants to, like, copy this scheme. Cool, you don't have those players. Um, let's hear from Sean Payton, who, uh, uh, you know, was embarrassed, obviously, by this performance. He came out of uh, retirement or left a, a cushy job at Fox to become the head coach. Obviously, had some big words about um, the, the the previous head coach and how it was the worst coaching job in the history of the game, I believe. Checkmate. Um, and now they are <laughs> 0-3 and, and just uh, were throttled in historic fashion. Yeah, you could imagine he's not in a great mood. I know that you said it's embarrassing, but this is kind of an historic game. I'm more. Third time the team has scored 70 points over 700. What's the question? What's the question? How do you feel about it being I just finished telling you. Historically embarrassing. Next question. <laughs> hey, man, you got to wear it. You you did not have that team ready to play. You know who else I want to hear from? Garrett Bowles, an offensive lineman who has been there, I believe, mm. uh, for seven years. And I think one thing that gets slept on a little bit uh, is that the Denver Broncos had a long, long period of success. Um, and they won the Super, Super Bowl 50. We were there um, with that great Von Miller-led defense. And they have been a bad team. Uh, ever since uh, here's Bowles kind of encapsulating like s- sneaky, dark, dark times in Denver. And it's been going on for a while right now. What are the emotions like going through your head personally? 
It's uh, tired of losing, man. Uh, I've been here for seven years, and all I've done is loss, and mm. it's frustrating. I mean, that's shot of him. It's from Nine News Denver, sitting in his locker, uh, just looking like you know the world is caved in. He it. Looked, it kind of is, has for yeah. the Broncos. He looked defeated. I mean, it's it's. It, I kept thinking the fact that like it's Vic Fangio, um, Miami's new defensive coordinator, that the. One thing the Broncos had through all their up-and-down quarterback play and uh, lost nature on offense was, at times, like a really great defense. And it's like Vic Fangio's watching many, some of the players he coached get totally boat raced today. And it's just, that's an interesting contrast. Well, not too many are left. And, and Justin Simmons was out in this game. And Kareem Jackson, I felt like, is playing hard at his age. But he had a, man, I've been in the NFL a long time on that Tyreek Hill touchdown that started it all off where he just seems so open and and Jackson tries to take an angle and Tyreek just breaks defenses because with no Jalen Waddle today like no wide receivers other than Tyreek Hill had more than two catches Barrios had two for 33 wow and they still put up 70 points but the thing that gets me and I I wish Wes was here to talk about this Miami team because I think he would see the poetry in it. And he, he was very good talking about like the poetry of these of offenses that are ahead of the rest of the league. And there is something about how Tua gets rid of the ball so fast, like immediately. And yet Tyreek Hill is 17 yards down the field on a second and 16. That was like the one negative play they had the whole game was second and 16. And I swear Tua threw it in like one and a half seconds. And yet Tyreek Hill is over here. And then you see A-Chain, who I think is a national uh, contender champion in the 200-meter dash. His burst is crazy. Mostert was the fastest player in the league. And there's just something about it with McDaniel that's it's beautiful to watch. It's like Tua, who, you know, obviously a couple of months ago, like he's the question mark. Can he stay healthy? Is he what was were his high marks a year ago actually who he is or he's somewhere in the middle? It's like 23 for 26. It's that quick release. It's just what you said, because week after week, he's been doing that with Tyreek Hill being somewhere of a superhuman nature down the field. Where your other next NFL wide receiver wouldn't be anywhere close mm. to what he's doing. You know, what, you know, I think the difference is between this team and last year's team. Um, all this talk, you know, and understandably so, is about Tua and the summer. Can he stay healthy? Nobody really picked this team to make the playoffs uh, in our neck of the woods. I think even if Mike White's has to take over, I think this offense is going to hum. It just seems like they are set up to do something. <laughs> well, Mike White's uh, got a perfect passer rating on the season. Two for two, 67 yards. Look at that. <laughs> the Bros. You know what? After the madness of last week's lock, we, we kind of said, okay, take the six and a half and – Covered by forty. I mean, when you, you when you get yeah, when you win by fifty, you got to give it credit. When when Robbie Chosen uh, is burning one of the best cornerbacks in the league, Patrick. You mean Sertan. Chosen Anderson, formerly Robbie Anderson. It was Robbie Anderson. Robbie with a Y, not Robbie with an IE. He also switched it to IE. He was Chosen Anderson, but he has switched it now this no. year in Miami. He's to, messing with us. To Robbie here? Chosen. Does the government ever step Wait. in and say too many name changes? How about the NFL? Right. Does Robbie Anderson have more? Uh, na- different names in the last three years than catches, and I'm not even joking. Uh, it's good. It's a, well, he's it's averaging a 68 yards per catch with a touchdown on every catch this season. You know, this game is so crazy because we got to keep moving. I think we should make this the around the NFL game of the week on NFL Plus this week. Okay, Dolphins fans, make sure you tune in because this this deserves a deep dive. 
Hmm. I love it. A dumpster dive if you're a Broncos fan. Hmm. I mean, because it's our nature to gravitate towards for those plus games, like, you know, back and forth battles. Uh, this is just a good old fashioned beatdown. One of the things I love the most is right. old bomb drop. And the that's fu- what this is. Russell Wilson showed up to this game. is like, hey, I played a pretty good game. Like, I actually was right. one of my better games, and I just lost by 50. Unbelievable. <laughs> Very crazy. And by the way, do you... If the if it was if the roles were reversed, you know Sean Payton's going for that third goal at the end. <laughs> of course, he wants one hundred. He wants the record. This is sometimes it's good to see somebody take some humble pie, <laughs> shovel it down, Shawnee. shovel it down. Let's move on. Ooh. The Cowboys running out of time here. The clock at three fifteen. They're going to huddle. Third and goal on the six. They trail twenty eight to sixteen. They're going to send Cooks out to the left and two receivers to the right. Shotgun formation for Dak Prescott. Pollard to his left. 23 carries for Pollard. Prescott the pass. Straight drop. Fires middle of the end zone. Picked off. Kaiser White with the interception. And that might do in Dallas. Wow. Kaiser White in the middle of the end zone. I don't know that Prescott ever saw him. Mm. Just bizarre. Just bizarre. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys look better than everybody, save maybe the Niners in the first two weeks of the season. And they're going to Arizona to play the Cardinals, and everybody's predicting boat race. And they get spanked. They get absolutely spanked. Dak throws a miserable INT at the end there. And even if he does get that win in through coverage, uh, they're still down uh, by five, I believe, with three minutes to go or so. So, like, that just gives you an idea of a game that got away from the Cowboys who were flat and listless a few days after they lost Trayvon Diggs for the year to an ACL tear. And credit to the Arizona Cardinals and Joshua Dobbs who come up with a 28-16 win in Glendale. Mark, um, this one's a hard one to figure out. NFL's weird sometimes. Well, I think things happen that you would go into the game not expecting from what we've seen, especially from like the Cowboys' defense over the last season and part of this season. Um, they got wiped out on the ground, 182 yards rushing in the first half. Now, what? it was only, they only had, you know, they had what up for far less than that in the second half because the Cardinals didn't have the ball as much. But it's like the Cardinals came out. We've seen this two games. They play a, they'll play at least a great half, and then there was a collapse last week. They played four great quarters this time around, and the Dallas defense and the offense never really recovered. Uh, there were plenty of pa- like pass breakdowns. Um, again, it's Josh Dobbs, who after week one, it looked like this is a big problem for the Cardinals. Josh Dobbs just keeps making plays, and I, I also think that what's what we're seeing happening is uh, when you've got a lot of backups like on your offensive line and other places, penalties start creeping up, and they had 10 in the first half, which the Cowboys, is the most, the, Cowboys gotcha. the, mo- the most in the Mike McCarthy era. Um, they were sloppy. I really think that they're missing no, Z- no Zach Martin, no Tyron Smith, no Tyler Biadish. Like, these guys are the core of their offense, and it uh, absolutely affected what they could do on offense in general. And it's like, it, it, but there was a nature to this game because we watched the second half together. It was like, oh, the Cardinals are going to find a way to fall apart here. That's not what happened because this Cowboys offense that we assume is explosive, they've looked explosive, three straight red zone drives. All right, the first one falls apart on fourth and three, on downs, on an incomplete pass to CeeDee Lamb. The next one, they kick a field goal after a third down incomplete pass from the eight to CeeDee Lamb. The third time, it's their chance to get back into this game. Dak Prescott, terrible pick. And it's like the Cardinals just did not 
allow them back into this game. And it was sort of every aspect of the Cardinals team. And it's like under Jonathan Gannon, who we thought this team was like riding a tank into oblivion. Um, they're well coached. They're not perfect. They don't have all the parts. But it's like we've seen them outperform every opponent at least for a half in every one of these games. And today it was for four quarters. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a nice win for Gannon. I think like a lot of people that the Cardinals played their hearts out the first two weeks and then had their rips, hearts ripped out. And then here comes the big bad Cowboys. And this, this smelled like 38-10. And yet two big runs that kind of jumped out to me. Uh, Dobbs going for 44 up the sideline right, right off the away. bat. Yep. A little bit of an eyebrow raise. Like, oh, wait a second. That was even that just one off play. It just felt like that was strange. And then when Rondell Moore goes 45 yards v- virtually untouched, you're just thinking to yourself, what is going on with this Cowboys defense that has been so airtight? They were able to keep Micah Parsons uh, in check in this game after he ran wild in the first two weeks. And yeah, the offense was strange with Dallas because you mentioned the Prescott INT, which is ugly at the end. I kept waiting for CD Lamb to get unlocked in this game, and I feel like that was what was missing from their attack. They they needed Lamb to be Lamb and Prescott and Lamb to get on the same page, Greg. But every time they seemed to need that play, it wasn't there, and you see that they left a lot of yards on the field and ultimately enough points to lose a stunner. Right. It's a great example of something I, I try to remember, and then it, you just forget it. Which is like it, the the best and the worst NFL teams really aren't that far apart. Like even like even these guys who are out there playing cornerback for the Cardinals, like Kentrell Clark, who came out of nowhere, like an undrafted type of guy who's just they're trying to pick on him. They're trying to pick on him over and over. But Mark, you you watch this tighter, closer than me, and four hundred yards by the Cardinals offense on nine drives to me is more shocking than anything else that happened today. Just that fact alone that Josh Dobbs had four incompletions and they went 400 yards. I, I, <laughs> I really think <laughs> like we, Greg, we've been watching these games together, like you know, on these Sundays. And it's like, we talked about James Conner a couple of times that you kind of get the pro James Conner season. Then the other one, hot and cold. There's been injuries. There's been ups and downs. Um, he's running so hard. And I think he kind of broke the will of this run defense in the first half, along with the big plays you mentioned. And it's like, it's just ultra surprising. Like you would, you, I, I would have thought this would have been the game for the Cardinals. Where after two kind of plucky performances, here comes a wipeout against a much more talented team that feels like a Super Bowl team. And this is this is if you are someone that has, and this is me, like seeds of distrust for the overall Dallas journey. Like great team, good roster, they're going to find a way to fall apart. Like this is a very concerning Sunday for Cowboys fans. Well, dig losing digs is just is so big. I know you guys hit on that, but. I- that that's something uh, you can't come back from in the Cardinals. I mean, you you can't like get that player back. I uh, the Cardinals are sneaky becoming the team of Sestiel. I don't know if you know this, Dan. Don't say that. I just see they're having such a nice start. You, you put that bad juice. No, he's on just him. enjoying the card I'm, I'm that, not, that they've been surprising. I'm not it's doing not, what as I as long did as you don't time. verbalize it. I'm not doing anything yeah. like that. I'm just seeing yeah. his heart a flutter. You know, I, I think the thing is like I I think they're one of these teams where it's like all all off season long we think we know what they are. And they're completely different. And it's like kind of goes against everything you think about this whole concept of tanking in the NFL. It's like, don't tell the 20 coaches and 72 players that that's the case. It was a good Sunday. And that's why I'm not going to make too much of the Cowboys losing here. And I'm not going to go over the moon and say that the Cardinals are a feel good tale. But for one day, at least, it's very nice. This happened, though, and you're not erasing it. Not you. They aren't. They can't do it. Won't do it. Dave Pash, by the way, KMVP with that call. And a good one. All right, up next, the, you know, the rare, not so rare, actually, but two teams 
that were playoff teams a, a year ago in a double wounded animal game. 0-2, 0-2. And on top of that, it's the effing Chargers and Vikings, the two weirdest teams in <laughs> NFL history. You know it was going to get funky, and it did. Down to 20 seconds. They are down to 18 seconds. Time. Down to 15 seconds. Come on, weirdo set. teams. Totally. Freaks. Tra tragic. Cousins to pass to the end zone. Up in the down. air. And intercepted. Intercepted in the end zone. Kenneth Murray. Oh, the ball was up in the air for an eternity. <laughs> and Murray has the concentration to secure it. Now that's Neiman who popped that up. Yeah, let's, we could fade out. Did you just fade out on Daniel Jeremiah? Oh, I like that. A nice hard fade out on the, we call him the other guy in the booth. It's untoward. But that was Matt Money Smith with the call. <laughs> K-Y-S-R. I love that. Uh, after Brandon Staley completely lost his marbles uh, and gambled needlessly on fourth down and lost, hmm. giving the Vikings a chance to steal one, yes. Interception, Kirk Cousins. After they make a bit of an odd move, uh, Greg, in this game, in that sequence as well, uh, converting the first down and then not spiking the ball, seemingly rushing into that. Were they both trying final so play. hard to be what they are in their yeah. nature? You know, uh, not to mention Greggy, the Justin Herbert, who was fabulous in this game. Finally, his big go-ahead touchdown actually goes through the cornerback's hands into his receiver's hands for the touchdown. Just as weird as you would expect a game like this to be. Final score, 28-24, Chargers. It was the most Chargers-Vikings cornered animal game possible. They each ended up with exactly 475 yards. There was nothing to separate this except for like a goofy Kirk Cousins. We'll return to the Brandon Staley fourth down because okay. I disagree a little bit. Okay. I, I, I knew Greg would make that decision. But, well, yeah, we'll, we'll... I mean, you can't just judge the, the results. But it was about who can kind of botch the end of the game in some way more than the other. And when TJ Hawkinson caught that ball uh, for the Vikings inside uh, the red zone, where was it exactly? It was uh, at the six-yard line. Oh. It was 35 seconds were left in the game. 35. That snap went off at 12 seconds. and. There is something about Kirk, and I put this a little oh, on Kirk. Mama. Kirk and the offensive coordinator, you know, it's Kevin O'Connell, where sometimes when the bullets are flying and things are going crazy, he fritzes out a little bit. Like, you need, <laughs> you need to have a plan at that point for what happens if the ball goes into the middle of the field and we pick up the first down. You need to either be hurrying and have another play go off quickly, which is what I'd prefer, and don't waste the play spiking it, or you need to spike it. Because they went crazy. They were discombobulated. Uh, and then he forces it into coverage. It was a nice play as um, that guy who – he's the draft guy here. Uh, the name escapes me. Um, but he pointed out Nick Neiman. I mean, you have these guys. Nick Neiman pops it up, and Kenneth Murray makes the play. And the defense, uh, which had struggled all day, finally makes something happen, and they somehow get out of here and maybe save Brandon Staley's job. I all don't right. know. So here it is. Here's the setup. Um, fourth and one at his own 24-yard line, Greggy. Yes. They are up. They're winning the football game, correct? They're up by four. They're up by four points. So the other Vikings need a touchdown. With one minute and after the play goes through, 147 to play. So they had the choice uh, to punt it away, 
And again, four-point lead. So <laughs> you need to surrender a touchdown to lose this football game. Field goal, it's not a field goal or, or anything like that. They choose to go for it. And Austin Eckler out again in this game. Instead, they give the ball to Joshua Kelly, who gets stuffed in the hole by Jonathan Bullard. And the Vikings get the ball. I mean, Greg, explain to me what's the take other than, wow, he's got some real stones. Because that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You got you to gotta protect the team and protect the players that you represent. Don't love the play call. I think it gives you two chances to win the game. Either way, you have to get them to, to you have to stop them either way. Granted, they're starting at the 25 yard line, but I think Staley's looking at his defense, which Bosa was barely on the field. He was off and on, but mostly off. Derwin James is off and injured at that point. I know it only says 24 for the Vikings, but 475 yards, 29 first downs. The Vikings were moving the ball at will, punting the ball away there. I feel like they're going to get back to the 25 with enough time. And I know they didn't have timeouts, but I feel like they're going to get back in position. And you just need a yard. Get a freaking yard. But the play call was bad uh, because Joshua Kelly went 11 rushes for 12 yards in this game. They couldn't run the ball, and they just tried to do the same thing they did all game. And I just want the ball in Justin Herbert's hand there. They tried to run the ball three times in that sequence, first and second down. And that's where I really think they mismanaged. They chargered the end of this game. Just let Justin Herbert get a freaking first down and you win the game. He's playing the best game I've ever seen him play in my life. Instead, they go run, run, set up a third and nine or third and 10. And he hits it for nine yards, of course, because he's Justin freaking Herbert. And then you're a yard short and just in some way involve Herbert in that play. We're in the world of the butt push and like the almost indefensible fourth and short quarterback sneak. And Herbert is the size, the power, the everything to do it. Um, Kelly's last week, I thought he had problems last week. Today, you mentioned how ineffective he was. Uh, Kellen Moore looked a little frazzled after that. Um, I think for obvious reasons, because you're going to be the center point of conversation for the next like seven how days. About a, how about I, I mean it. Maybe Stanley could have lost his job if they. If I they, think so too. It's possible. How about a direct snap on a punt? How about a little fake punt? If we're gonna, if we're feeling so sure. so ballsy here, <laughs> or I, I'm kicking it away. But I understand now what we're dealing with now, Greggy. And we should get to Herbert in a second because his numbers are out of this world. Not to mention Keenan Allen, 18 for 205, and he threw a 50-yard touchdown pass. All this career crazy. highs. Yeah. Is this not the game of the week for NFL Plus? I, I don't know. know. I know. Um, I know. I'm uh, struggling with this one, uh, Greggy. But um, I, I lost my train of thought. I'm so I'm so pumped up about this game. You wanted uh, to talk fake about punt. Herbert. Uh, Herbert went 40 for 47 for 405 and three touchdowns. Now, the worst throw, I, really out of 47, I think he really only made maybe two bad throws. And one of them was could have been an interception, and it went for the last touchdown that the Chargers scored, the go-ahead to Josh Palmer. So he got a little break there. But before that, it was maybe the best game I've ever seen Herbert play because there were four or five shots 20-plus down the field. So it wasn't just Dinkin and Duncan. But he was so accurate. And whatever Flores tried to do early on, they were playing like super prevent. They were daring him to dink and dunk. And he did it. And Alan, that's why Allen went 18 for 215. But then when they started cooking him up, he was making throws against pressure. And I just thought he showed everything that you want out of an NFL quarterback in this game. That was why it was frustrating. He didn't have the ball at the end there and you're handing it off. The Kellen Moore thing's working. I think it's working for Keenan Allen. I mean, it, the flexibility of, like, if you're going to give us this, we'll take this instead today. Um, and I, I, it's arrow up on Herbert. Like, I know maybe, Dan, you wanted to be a little more fired up or irate in certain situations. Like, I mean, he's Yes, take, that's exactly what I want. Well, 
That's what whatever I've been whatever it was you were mentioning. For. Like, Get irate. But well, from a te- <laughs> technically angle, this is a fantastic game. But this would, have, this would have been the same story, though, because unless he had enough time, it would have been another one where the offense, even though it dominated, didn't get the first down when it needed to. Yeah. This time, the defense just made the play. I want to shout out, uh, who is it? Tui Peloto, their defensive tackle, was dominating this game. But it was kind of a Pyrrhic victory, as they would call it. Derwin James, MRI on his hamstring. Oh, no. Mike Williams, MRI on his knee. That one looked possibly serious. JC Jackson was a healthy scratch. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like still trouble. It, I don't really feel trouble like, okay, everything's fine. No, uh, it, but it's worse for the Vikings hey, who are. Oh, that's a, yeah. That was the point I, I meant to make, which is like the fact that they went for it on fourth and one at the 24 tells you that Brandon Staley, the defensive guy is completely at a loss. Like he doesn't trust the defense to get any stops at all. And uh, the thing, one of the things I love about sports is how dumb they are. And we, we're in a new era of sports where, you know, the nerds have taken over, and it's great. The advanced analytics, we pop the hood on the games, not just football, all different sports in ways that we never did in the past. But, like, at the end, it's funny how Justin Herbert once again would have been the same storyline if that ball doesn't go through the cornerback's hands. Everything... Right. Yep. Hinged on that happening. Although everything would have changed after that. I always like to put it. You know, now you got the, the, the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, you're saying. <laughs> You've got the Vikings in that deep uh, lake of regression. 0-3 oh, in and one-score games now. Love it. I said it as a joke in week one that they would lose every one-score game after winning every single one last year in the regular season. We're 11 and 0. It got serious. I mean, if, <laughs> if Kirk Cousins was ever going to become a Jet, we don't need to go deep on this one, but... Uh, it's setting up that. Like, Save that for, for the Dan and Keith Hansis emergency pod. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, uh, and yes, you know, you know, you know, Dan pounding that table. I want an irate Justin Herbert. I got a good quote from him. I got a good one. <laughs> I'm sure it's I'm sure it's anything other than milk toast. Here we are. Finally, we're after what a game he had. It was a hard fought win. <laughs> Certainly not the way we drew it up. <laughs> Let's take a break and we welcome in <laughs> Nick Chuck. <laughs> You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, we're back, and it's time for the Sunday Drive, presented by the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hit it, baby! 
Out of the huddle and to the line. Goff is going to work out of the gun. Gibbs to his left. Third and goal. Lions leading by 10, looking for more. Goff takes. Keeps it himself. Left side. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. I see you, 16. I see you. Just a little read option there for Jared Goff. Oh, Oh my. Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> we sure did, man. And Jared, he could put him up and down, and he made sure he put him up and down <laughs> into that end zone. 6 4 2 17 fleet feet over the left <laughs> side for the score. Yes. Dan Miller and Lomas Brown with the call WXYT. He could put him up, and he could put him down. We sure know that. Love Jared Goff. I love Jared Goff's career. What a nice little like zone he's in right now. Lead in the Detroit Lions once more to a 20-6 victory over the Atlanta Falcons at Ford Field. The nice bounce-back performance for Detroit after an ugly Week 2 loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Let's now welcome him in from Cleveland, Ohio, or thereabouts, Mr. Beef himself, Nick Shook. (laughs) Mr. Beef is a new one. I like Uh, that. Actually, I kind of thought I hit on something with Soda Papinski from Punch-Out once upon a time. I'd run with Mr. Beef. That could take you places. (laughs) What's Uh, up, buddy? Pick him up and put him down, I think, is in reference to his feet. Jared Goff can pick him up and put him down faster than Lomas Brown ever could. Mm, Not known... Fleet of foot golf. A didn't, not a lot of passer, a pocket passer. But not a lot of vertical faster. leap there when he tried to go into the stands either. No, but faster than, than Lomas Brown, to your point. He's now. definitely hit the weight room. Yeah, yeah. It's beefy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Shook, uh, it looks like the Lions, this is a nice little performance for them, it seems like, after, yeah, uh, all, the, all the hype around the Chiefs win, crashed back to earth, and now we're back to just biting kneecaps off. Yeah, I got to give uh, credit to the Lions fans who did not let last week's loss deter them from showing up at Ford Field and making it another raucous environment, almost collegiate in how passionate these fans mm. have been at these Blue games. masks? You can, yeah, I don't know about the blue masks. No. See, that didn't make that it. in week two. Yeah. I mean, but he's, the, he's the, out the for the season. Yeah, that yeah. was bad. bad. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it's kind of tough. But uh, this was an interesting game because, you know, this is uh, it was an intriguing matchup. The, the Falcons are 2-0. and What a surprise. Never thought Arthur Smith's team might be here. And they played like a 2-0 team. In fact, they went toe-to-toe with the Lions for most of this game. It's just that their offense never showed up. Statistically, it was similar. They were both 4 for 14 on third down. They each had a turnover. Everything looked really similar, but the total yards was like double in favor of Detroit, which goes back to this Lions offense, which is humming for most of the game. Uh, Jared Goff in complete command of this offense, completely comfortable, knows how to execute, hitting a number of different targets. The run game missed David Montgomery, but they were still balanced enough to be able to move the ball down the field. They struggled to convert in the red zone, which is why that read option was so sweet for the people in Detroit. Because, you know, he was saying, I see you 16. Well, 16 was seeing 93, 93 whiffing, being Calais Campbell, mm. making a bad read on the read option there. It was satisfying for them after failing earlier on the goal line and really put this game away. I felt bad for the Falcons because I thought they played hard enough to be in this game. They just didn't get anything from the offensive side of the ball. Not so much that it was Desmond Ritter's fault. It's just they never really put anything together to allow him to get into a rhythm. You know, so good win for the Lions. Way to get back on track. I'm seeing the Falcons 2.8 yards per play. Yeah, uh, Abysmal. Uh, Lions doubled that. Um, It's kind of a red flag, or it is a red flag. It's not kind of one, that if you essentially are a team that can gather your defense and stop Atlanta on the ground, and the previously mythologically unstoppable Bijan Robinson with 33 yards today, uh, nothing else from anyone, and then you're forced to 
take Desmond Ritter and throw the ball 38 times. Like that's the that's a formula for disaster. And that's a that's a that creates a lot of suspicion around a team that, you know, we could go. I felt very hopeful about. I'm seeing the same thing, Shook, uh, at the Meadowlands where there's a talented running back, but a quarterback that maybe hasn't earned the trust or the, you know, the the opposing defense's respect. Are they just up on the line? Is this are they got stack boxes all day in this game? Yeah, I mean, Detroit deserves credit for getting after them and stuffing the run lanes. But it's also like Bijan didn't get a ton of opportunities. A strange approach, really. And and it also offers us kind of a look at the two sides of Desmond Ritter because last week, you know, they're playing Green Bay and he authors this great comeback and he makes a number of throws where I'm like, wow, look at him. Maybe he is taking the next step forward. And he just wasn't that guy this week. So why are you having him throw it 38 times when you're down 10 points at most going into the fourth quarter, it just felt like a poor approach for a team that was pounding on the ground so successfully, but it's hard to pound on the ground when you're averaging 3.3 yards of carry with your lead back. So just a tough day for them offensively, probably something where they can look back and say, we should have done this, that, and the other at different times you mm. know, in these situations should have approached it differently and they'll be better for it. Not everyone agrees, but Arthur Smith believes in Ritter because we're seeing it now week after week. He's letting him throw the ball. I mean, he um, he's becoming a problem, uh, but I, I'm looking forward to watching this, but seeing Laporta go eight for 84. Yeah. It's yet another week where it's like, hey, tight ends, rookie tight ends, they never matter, except for Sam freaking Laporta. Week after week, he's six catches, eight catches, Sam Laporta. Here's a a stat for you. He's 18 catches, the most by an NFL tight end through three games. Keith Jackson for the Eagles in 88. uh, Three-time All-Pro previously had the record with 17, so he's off to a good start. Yeah, he uh, 45 of those yards came on one catch, his first career touchdown pass, which I really enjoyed because he scored and the broadcast goes, get that one for the mantle. And just as he says that, Laporta trots over the sideline and just drops the ball and the ball boy picks it up. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I love about this Lions team, guys? You know how we spent so much time in the offseason, people were arguing about uh, positional value. You, you overpicked a lot of these guys in the first two rounds. Terrible moves by Brad Holmes. All those guys are making a difference. Brian Branch is making a difference. Jack Campbell, first career sack today. Sam Laporta, first career touchdown. Even Jameer Gibbs, he's not a lead back, but he's doing all right. Like, this is a good group. You got to start to trust this front office. I liked all their picks, and I'd like to see them producing so far. The whole team feels like, and I mean organization, feels like they're in sync right now. And they had a, they're had they missing about eight starters today. They lost a couple offensive linemen during the game. They've been tough to, to withstand that. And that was the Sunday Drive presented by Toyota. Let's go places. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. All right, Chuck. Let's talk about your Cleveland Browns. Hit it. Mm. Second and 15. Watson under center with Ford in the backfield. Fake handoff. Watson hey, that's our looking bud. down the middle. Chris He's Rose. got Cooper wide open for a touchdown. And Coop finally has that score with Deshaun Watson. Chris Rose with the call. Our buddy Sunday nights here at NFL Network filling in for Jim Donovan, longtime voice of the Browns, who is fighting uh, a serious illness. So uh, best wishes to Jim Donovan and his family. Rose filling in and Deshaun Watson hits Amari Cooper. The exclamation point. On an easy win as the Browns steamroll the Titans 27-3, to uh, Shooky. This is obviously Woo. a big win for Cleveland because you get a good Watson performance. You get another great defensive performance by like Jim Schwartz's guys. Uh, and with Nick Chubb gone for the year, 
uh, all of a sudden it doesn't seem like everything is lost because there's enough here to, for this team to keep moving forward and succeed. Yeah, there was a pall over the city on Tuesday after they lost Nick Chubb for the season. Um, you know, he's a beloved player here, and everybody was pretty heartbroken over the fact that they would have to proceed forward without him, but really because he just is such a great person, a favorite, you know, son of Cleveland. So for them to bounce back in the fashion that they did on Sunday was really impressive because this is a team that that could have carried over that heartbreaking loss to Pittsburgh and the loss of Nick Chubb and just laid down against the Titans team that's stout up front, and they didn't. They proved that they were the better defense among these two. They dominated Tennessee's offense. Derrick Henry was a non-factor, 20 rushing yards on 11 carries, his second least amount of rushing yards in the game. The last time he did it, also against the Browns. So apparently they've got his number for whatever reason. Ryan Tannehill was constantly under duress. Miles Garrett was a force, three and a half sacks. The front Woo! looks fantastic. I'm, I'm ready to say at this point, the three games, I am ready to say that the Browns have a an elite defense or at least an elite defensive front because of how well they get a push up front. I mean, they are just winning the battles up there and it's helping them win games because they scored 10 points in this game. And, and aside, for a second, I was like, that might be enough to win. I mean, that's how good they're playing defensively. Deshaun Watson had a good day, only six or six incompletions. It doesn't look as good as the stats did. I'll tell you that right now. When you go back and watch this game, you'll be like, he really had this game with how he played. But it was a step in the right direction. And the rushing attack, they put it together well enough to replace Nick Chubb. It wasn't anything remarkable, but they did the job. A resounding victory for a Browns team that's going into a big one next week against the Ravens. They used a lot of people in the ground game. Um, but I, I am with you that, like, I, I, I'm trying to remember a post Bill Belichick Browns team uh, because they their their defense back then and we're talking the 90 early 90s uh, remarkable first or second best in the league 94 yards you gave up today Woo! it's like that's essentially like uh, competing against like a drunk toddler in Madden uh, this is like wait you, the toddler's been drinking yeah it's that dysfunctional of a situation if you beat someone down that hard oh, I always give my yeah, toddlers but- uh there's alcohol. a way bigger issue going on here than sure. the video game outcome. Sure, but the 94 yards still stands out as an achievement in that situation. But in this, and in, in, to see it, this team doing this, uh, and it's like, oh, finally, Miles Garrett, <laughs> who when he was the only guy there in that front seven was still doing it. It's like you are surrounded not only by better talent than you've had in your entire career, but like Jim Schwartz, the vaunted assistant coach of the year award. Ooh. He is he is the clear front runner right Look now. At this. He may be more head coach than Kevin Stefanski. Give Mark, me. you're not even hiding it anymore. No, I'm just like, but I, this is stuff. I think if you're a Browns fan, right? If you're from Cleveland, like they always say, we're going to play Browns football. Well, no one, no, that, what anyway. has that been for the last 25, 30 years? Nothing. It was Nick Chubb. That I agree with 100%. But defense like this is like, it's it lasts through any season, any part of the year. Winter cold, yeah. ice rain, and it's like, it's not going away. They have a great defense. Yeah, mid- Midwestern fans like to pride themselves on, oh, it's cold weather football. It's going to be smash mouth football. And the Browns have not been that. And they are that at least on one side of the ball right now. It's remarkable, again, to see a team transform overnight from one year to the next with a defensive coordinator that's new and has received some additions in the offseason that fits how he wants to go, you know, with a rotation up front and everything else and just works so well. And the secondary has benefited tremendously. Grant Delpit continues to have a great year. They didn't even have Greg Newsom today, and they were still locking it down on the outside. Uh, just a really good performance from them. Well, I, when the Bengals had six first downs in week one, I said that very well could be the most dominant defensive performance any team has all season. The Titans had six first downs in this game. Didn't crack 100 yards. Shio Kapadia of the, the ringer had a good stat on success rate, which isn't like a perfect stat, but the best three single game performances all season defensively. Uh, number one, Browns in week one. 
Number two, Browns in week three. Number three, Browns in week two. I mean, that's outrageous. Wow. That, that's why the toddlers are so drunk. It, I still don't I, condone it, and it's a bigger problem no, no, than I, football. Yeah. I, don't, I don't condone it. I'm just yeah. saying before you play Madden, if you get drunk. them drunk, you're probably going to win. It's a great strategy from a certain – from a cutthroat angle. Get the authorities on the horn. Hey, real quick before we say goodbye, because I'm curious. You, uh, Watson, his numbers are great. I think 28 of 33. Um, what what were you seeing were there? I know there was one insane, hideous play where he was falling backwards and threw the ball 10 yards back. It was scooped up for like a 16-yard loss. Um, that was the viral moment. Uh, anything else that jumped out to you? Like why weren't, weren't the numbers matching up with the eye test for you? Yeah, that was very Jameis Winston of him. Uh, I think his internal clock's still not quite at the speed it needs to be at. He's still just slightly slow, but he is starting to speed up a little bit. Uh, watching him in the pocket he always makes you a little nervous just because mm. you're like, all right, all right, deliver. Get to the next spot in your progression. He's just not quite there, but he's finding a way to make it work. And especially on the run, he was pretty good at getting out of the pocket and finding guys downfield. And it just seemed so effortless in the second half of them. I mean, they were just completing passes. Tennessee gave him a few breaks with penalties. Uh, so you're going to look back at this and say, that doesn't look like a near 300-yard performance, but he also got robbed of what should have been a touchdown pass to Amari Cooper because he caught the ball on the sideline. He was a foot inbounds and was ruled out of bounds. Oh, that was absurd. Shy of the end zone. So, you know, you give or take. <laughs> that was absurd. No, I that because I was watching exactly what happens. Like, this is just like an officiating breakdown. Uh, yeah. Titans uh, are uh, a good... It's so funny. Over, I'm just over, like, over welcome there. back. That's all. <laughs> that was like, we should not have that. Those officiating gaps should not be happening to any of the 32 teams. So uh, you're right. Uh, the the Chargers, <laughs> like if the Chargers had lost this week, the, maybe the number one reason why Brandon Staley should be in trouble is look at what the Titans have done when they haven't played the Chargers. They've got about yeah. 100 yards a game. Good point by you. Uh, yep. have, haven't scored a touchdown. Good point by you. Shoki, always a pleasure. Um, get some good pumps in. Spend some great time with your fiance. Yeah, she's in California for three months, so I'm here by myself. But uh, but we'll, you've been you know, flying out like, there, you know. Yeah, yeah, we'll have another trip planned here soon. All that rage pumping he's doing with the with the girl out in California, you know what I mean? In the gym. In the gym. All right, Chuck. Bye, bye, buddy. Crazy. Till next week. I'll see you guys. Rage pumping. I am rage pumping because we're heading over to the swamps of Jersey. Oh, we got the final play of this game forthcoming. One second left. Ball be snapped on the 46 far hash mark. Three receivers wide to the right, one to the left. Oh, it's a Two Hail Mary. For the Patriots, and I mean deep at the five. I'm Wilson sure this will end well for the, the Jets. Right. Pulls up, steps up, steps up. He lost a high throw toward the end zone. That ball will come down in the crowd. It's batted away. No! Oh, it away. Oh, my God. And nearly caught by Cobb on the goal line. <laughs> it's incomplete, and the Patriots win it. My God. <laughs> Hey, at least we gave Zolak the scare. That's a by Wilson, man. <laughs> Two yards deep, and it allows for the deflection. Oh, no. And a potential catch, and boy, did they almost get it. Hmm. It's so New York City. It's so New York City. <laughs> Bob Sochi, Scott Zolak, Sidney Carlson. WBZ. Mac Jones threw a touchdown pass to Farrow Brown. Who? I don't know. Tight end. Matt Judon had a late safety and a desperation Hail Mary heave by Zach Wilson. Just missed the hands of Randall Cobb. As the Patriots extend their winning streak over the Jets to 15 games with a grisly 15-10 win. What? 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 On, uh, what? on a rainy Sunday 
at the Meadowlands. It's it's interesting, Greggy, how it's different now. Like 15 games is 15 games. I think 21 out of 23. But it used to be the Patriots with Brady would just outclass the Jets and kind of humble them. And whatever you would think they were ready to, to reach higher, you'd just knock them down with some like 25, 35 point loss. In the Sala era, it's now competitive, but it is the Patriots that always make kind of one more play. And you're seeing these games are kind of more the the norm. So 15 to 10. And, um, you know, here's this is what we thought was going to happen. And then when I saw it was going to be a weather game, it was like first thing I did, for instance, I got get Garrett Wilson out of my fantasy lineup. You knew it was going to be bad. But I, I thought even by uh, Zach Wilson standards, it was worse than usual, and you saw two notable people um, turn on Zach Wilson in real time in this game. One's Tony Romo, who has always been mostly supportive of Wilson, but repeatedly called out uh, when the line wasn't breaking down around Wilson, just not seeing it. Just like we've been talking about with Justin Fields, uh, where they freeze it. Oh, there's Garrett Wilson crossing over the middle, but he waits an extra two beats, and by the time uh, he reacts, he's either getting thrown down to the ground or he's throwing the ball, Garrett Wilson, in the flat for a two-yard loss or an incompletion. And you just saw that over and over again. So the Jets, who sent Dwayne Brown to IR mm. uh, and kicked Mikhail Becton over to the left tackle. And shifted two other guys around, too. Move Eric Tucker to right tackle. It's musical chairs. And I thought it was very notable, Greggy, that uh, this game where the Jets, especially in the second half, really tightened up on defense gave that offense two chances to either tie or win the game late. And that's not even counting the possession with the Hail Mary. And on the Matt Judon sack, that really was the game. It was Judon beating Mekhi Becton, a Mm. um, lottery pick from um, Joe Douglas, and then sacking Zach Wilson, another high miss from Joe Douglas. And I'm just starting to, as a Jet fan, this was the week for me, and maybe it's the Patriots that add a little bit more uh, gravitas to things and, and make it just more dramatic, where I'm just starting to lose a little bit of faith in the operation when you hear this from Robert Saul after the game talking about Zach Wilson and, and whether he'll continue to be their starter. Uh, right now, Zach is the best player on the, in the um... – Mm. <laughs> he's who gives us the best chance to win. Wow. And, um, you know, so that's basically the, that would be the cleanest answer I could give you. See, I had not actually heard that. I read that's the rough. quote. Yeah. And Dang. here's my question to you, Greg. Is that Sala uh, subtly letting everyone know that Tim Boyle, with no real experience and not a guy that I believe in, is my only other option, and my GM won't take the L on this guy and bring someone else in, or is Salah's head in the sand and not willing to give up on Zach Wilson, who clearly is not going to do it at this level? Well, I think it's in between because I'm, I'm going to give Salah the benefit of the doubt that him and Douglas both believed in Wilson throughout this offseason. I don't think they were faking that. I think it's Robert Salah searching for the perfect words that he can couch what he wants to say, which is that, yeah, he's the best option we have. It's not about Joe Douglas, but I think he's would be very open to having another option. Like, I, I don't doubt that Wilson is maybe better than Tim Boyle, although who knows? But I, I would say that he needs another option, and I think he's couch. He's trying to say it in a way that, like, is leaving that open. He's not trying to be too encouraging in that uh, spot. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think, number one, this is sort of – this has become a perfect storm of – 
problems for the offense. Like, you're going up against a Bill Belichick-run team that has beaten down Zach Wilson and the Jets in general. Uh, they've lost 15 straight games to the Patriots and haven't scored more than 17 points. Only once they even scored 17. So it's like a particular matchup inside your division that no matter who's been in there, it's unsuccessful. The offense, I was coming into work today and seeing the offensive line changes they were going to go through. It's like, I hate that in this particular matchup hmm. against the Patriots. Uh, like if you even said, we we're going to lose Dwayne Brown. We'll find one way to plug one person in and keep the rest of it consistent. It wasn't a great line before that. But then it's like we've all had that experience when you're, I can think of this happened at a, a work summit a couple years ago where someone gets up to deliver a speech, good person, you're rooting for them, and they 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 go completely dark. They can't do it, and they're stumbling in front of two to 300 people. In this case, it's a whole nation. That's how I feel watching Zach Wilson. It's like, I'm not rooting against him. I'm rooting for the Jets after hard knocks. I'm rooting for these Jets fans in general. It's like, Zach Wilson is the perfect problem that if you removed and replaced him with almost and I would give I give Boyle a shot like I don't know what they're doing I just like there seems to be this we can all see it and then you get Sala having to say that there's a blind spot and it's so frustrating it's like you find another quarterback you've got a great defense and a good roster and you sit on the precipice of dividing this locker room and cracking it like an egg and it it, the bluebirds reach the metal ends at 1402 to play in the second quarter that is only going to intensify and Last year, this isn't a projection. This is we already saw it happen with the exact same uh, core roster and the exact same quarterback. There was a revolt when that within that locker room that forced Robert Sala to turn to Mike White. But there's no Mike White now. There's no Joe Flacco now. There could be Josh Johnson, for instance, who was on that team and was cut this week. It's overdue. It's overdue. I just think, and I said this throughout the summer, that I was never comfortable with Wilson as number two. And I think we're now three weeks after the events of uh, Monday Night Football with Aaron Rodgers. The fact that the only thing they've done is check in to see if Chad Henney wanted to come out of retirement is indefensible. And the fact that Jet fans are furious right now because we're sick of watching the same thing with with Wilson and seeing him uh, flame out. They had, like I said... Two possessions. Once they they had one drive, an 86-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter to make this a game, to pull within three. They had two possessions after that where they could have either tied or won the game, and both times Wilson cratered. And I'm just – I think Jets fans are sick of hearing because we've been dealing with it for two years now. Two and a half years are going on now uh, of knowing this guy isn't the guy. So why can't the organization see that? And the thing that gets me mad and the first time I've ever had doubts about Joe Douglas is because it's his guy. And I've talked to people that know Douglas. That was his pick, his baby. And I think there's a bit of stubbornness here of them not willing to take the L that is haunting this team. And it sounds like we're going to run back Zach Wilson against the Chiefs on Sunday night. And In I, New York. I hate, I don't like that situation. Oh, just imagine. Yep. And, and the Rodgers injury continues to compound. I knew it was going to be miserable. But as the weeks pass, week one, ruined by Rodgers. Week two, trip to Dallas, ruined because now Rodgers isn't there. Week three, Pat's Revenge Week, ruined because Zach Wilson's the quarterback again. Week four, our return to Sunday Night Football for the first time in over a decade, ruined because we're going to face Pat Mahomes with goddamn Zach Wilson as QB, and nobody's taking him out of the game because nobody wants to take the L. Take the L, Joe Douglas. Yeah, I mean, look, we like we just talked about the praise the Browns get for holding the Titans to under 100 yards in the game. 
They had 10 yards passing the Jets in the first half. This is a great Patriots defense. It's very good. Like, we saw that against the Dolphins. They're, they're very competent, especially against this opponent. But every opponent is going to look competent against Zach Wilson. It's like, this is going to explode on Monday night on Sunday night football. It is going to explode next well, Sunday night. I mean, the Patriots defense is good, but they also were missing three of their top four cornerbacks, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, and Jonathan Jones. They hit the Jones trifecta. Their offensive line is a total mess. Uh, and this game shouldn't have been just, you know, numbers wise as close as it was. At one point, it was 206 at halftime was 216 yards to 39. At one point, it was 180 to six. So the Patriots are mis- moving the ball. And in very 2023 and really post Brady Patriots, they're a sloppy kind of undisciplined team who makes a lot of mistakes. And right now they're not very good on the offensive line, but they were allowing the jets to stay in the game and the jets defense is so good that they're making plays in big spots. And that Zach Wilson just keeps getting chance after chance. Like this shouldn't have even been a position where he has a chance to go to for a hail Mary. Some Pat stuff. I think Christian Gonzalez, he's announcing himself as a stud. Yeah. Uh, He shut down Tyreek Hill last week. Garrett Wilson was rarely, I mentioned he was open in some crossing patterns and the quarterback was late, but he was covered very well by Christian Gonzalez in this game. Um, Also, Zeke Elliott getting a lot of work in this game. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson hasn't done a lot in the first three weeks, and now Zeke kind of split carries with him in this game. I don't know if maybe Stevenson was banged up. We'll have to see uh, what that potentially means. And this is also now the third straight week, and we talked about him earlier this week, and I just want to see more. Dalvin Cook not making anybody miss. But Brees Hall's not making anybody miss either right now because the offensive line is such a mess. But, uh, yeah, I'm starting to have my doubts about the brain trust. And I just don't know if Salah is uh, also hypnotized by this idea of Zach Wilson being salvaged or he's trapped on the ship as well. I don't know. He's a defensive guy. Either way. He's got to be going crazy. I think he's trapped. Either way, it's a very tough situation. Uh, All right. Let us move on. We were talking up. We were talking up the commanders as a potential team of ATN. Well, with a caveat. With a caveat. Wanted to see how this went. Wanted to see how this went. (laughs) Didn't go well. This didn't go well. (laughs) Not at all. Spoiler. (laughs) Not great, Bob. Two receivers to the right, two to the left. Howell in the shotgun. Gibson next to him in the backfield. Here's the snap. Five-step drop. Rolling to his left. Going to step up in the pocket. And it's picked off by A.J. Vanessa going the other way. No, 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 no. Blockers in front to the five. Touchdown, (laughs) Buffalo! A.J. Epinesa with the fifth takeaway of the day, and this one goes for a pick six. Woo! (laughs) Chris Brown, a little Ric Flair. WTR, good job by you. Yes, A.J. Epinesa. Is that how you say it? Epinesa. Epinesa with the pick six. One of four interceptions Sam Howell threw to Buffalo Bills defenders and the Bills. Eric Roberts behind the glass. Eric are feeling no pain in these last two weeks. 37-3. to three, They route the previously undefeated Commanders. Um, Mark, here's a quote from Micah Hyde. It looks like I didn't even play today. All white jersey. Not even dirty. <laughs> the guys up front were getting after the quarterback. It was just awesome to see. Not even dirty on a day where it was pouring rain during half of the game. Not even muddy. It's like you didn't even touch the ground. Uh, Mike Hyde had a couple plays, huge plays in this. It was, you know, it's like Sam Howell's been frisky, fun to watch. And, like, I think that's why we had the conversation we did about the commanders. It's like there might be something. Did we jinx him? Maybe. 
I mean, likely. Conversation needs to be had. Likely, or the floor is going to fall out at some point when you're playing a Bills team that, you know, we thought, are they, are, is there too much pressure here? Um, are they, have the, has the window closed a little bit too much? Are they not really the cream of the crop in the AFC? It's like, and all we talk about is Josh Allen and the offense, and they were fine today. They were great. Stephon Diggs had a huge game. The defense, and it's, the defense to me is looking as good as it's ever looked under Sean McDermott. It is just absolutely generating total chaos, five turnovers, nine sacks. You allowed three points. The, the commander's drive chart, interception, punt, downs, interception, interception, punt, fumble, interception, punt, field goal. Wacky little field goal at the end. You prevent the shutout. This was a dominant performance. Um, two weeks in a row, we've seen Josh Allen. I think re-enter that world where he just looked completely in command. And, you know, I think you just, they broke, they broke the commanders early. If I, I said to Greg, and he didn't, I mean, you didn't know where this was in the game, but he hit Gabe Davis on a bomb early on, where it was like, there was probably five, six of the game to still go. I said, game over. And then, then how when the commanders started to climb back and like got deep into Bill's territory, I thought, why did I say that to Greg? It was technically a two score game entering the fourth quarter, 16, nothing. It's kind of wild. Then they just exploded. But like, how will really so the fringes of two score? How how will really melted <laughs> this game? He really melted, and it's like it it, it was a systemic mm, disaster toughy. for Washington. I, I, that doesn't surprise me, just because he just is a guy who's gonna c- try to keep making plays, and like if it keeps getting worse, he's gonna keep trying. And sacks are a bit of a quarterback stat, or they are a quarterback stat. Nine sacks, like that's partly on him, but it is crazy when you just look. 15 quarterback hits for the Bills. That is a crooked number. And then over on the other side, young and sweaty, one QB hit, no sacks, almost a Golston. I yep. mean, in Washington, still trying to make Golston a thing all these years later. It is uh, officially when you have no if sacks. If one other no person QB says Golston, then, you know, maybe it becomes a thing, but it's still just you. It's just, but it's my thing. I know. It's, it's like IR Boomerang hanging in that same. <laughs> no, that's world. different. Is it different? I, I feel like that's picked that up kind some of heat. I think Wes and I created that literally a decade ago, and I've heard no one other than I, Wes I, and myself I use mention it. it. I like, think I, our show, but I yeah. think I started holding, and I'm not getting any royalties for that. I don't even talk about it. So, do you think you're? I think I you're started due, holding uh, a, a mulligan essentially on Golston, which has never taken off because Holden's if great. Golston, and Holden is great. Holden if, has become the part of the. If Golston wasn't a Jet. Right. Uh, who the Patriots had tried to trade up for, but right. they, then they were snagged or whatever. Right. The Jets took them. You wouldn't have a problem with it. Man. Yeah, but also <laughs> I don't think you would have ever made it that name if he was if he was a, wasn't a Jet. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so it's just the it's a fair counterpoint. The mass hole within you just pouring for, out. I guess okay. at this point it is time to let go. I am gonna. Wait, let me just say. I'm gonna. Think, Payne, I'm gonna promise. Yes. Golston is dead. We're gonna think of a new guy. We're gonna think of a new name. I mean, I'm going to try to make that. Someone's okay. got to be that bad, though. Yeah, it's kind of mean. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, everything's going to kind of roll through them if if Washington's actually going to have a chance this season to go to the playoffs. Uh, no sacks and 32 pass attempts by Josh Allen. And like you said, um, uh, it's, it's a QB stat as well. And Josh Allen, again, after a miserable week one, in prime time, has bounced back with two very good games. I, I really also think that, like, James Cook, uh, we talked about his brother, Dalvin, but James Cook, Makes a real difference in this offense. They they never really had that consistent cool little game. player, and it's three games in a row where he looks uh, superb. All right, Bills roll. Let's move to Lambeau Field, where the Packers were looking to make magic, and they did. Line of scrimmage, twenty-eight yard line of Green Bay, and he's going to want it spotted down to the thirty-six yard line, left hash. 
46-yard field goal attempt. Zach Wood on the snap. Lou Headley down on one knee. Do I trust a guy named Blake Groupie? Blake it's not a good name. Not a ton. To give New Orleans the lead. Here's the snap. Placement kick is up. End over end. It is. No good. No good. No good. And there is your dagger. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jubilation here in Green Bay. Come on, Big Funk. Celebrate, baby, behind the glass. Seconds ago, New Orleans has one timeout left. What a fourth quarter by the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Whoa. Wait, can I get Big Funk's music for this? No. I think I love that Randy Chavez. Real deal Packer fan. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. So let's give it to him. Ooh-wee. Blake Groupie, 46 yards, wide right with 105 to play. And Jordan Love rallies the Packers from a 17-point fourth-quarter deficit. What? To an 18-17 win. A big what week. Sorry. I think the the podcast um, title, What Slammer? Question mark Slammer Week 3 Recap. I just feel like it's that's the, the word of the day. We're heading in the that, playoffs. That territory. Um, this game could not have started worse for the Packers, who were shut out um, through, through three quarters and then four minutes into the fourth quarter. And then they score 18 points in the final 11th minute to win their 11th uh, consecutive home opener. And, and Big Funk knows this. They played like hot garbage for three quarter. They were penalized, penalized like mad. They repeatedly failed on fourth downs. Jordan Love had a terrible interception uh, early in the third quarter, uh, and it just felt like this was not only going to be a loss for the Packers, but like one of those games where you're starting to think, ooh, is this maybe going to be a long season for Green Bay? Missing again, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, who actually worked out on the field before the game, but then was a scratch. Um Missing multiple players, key players. Bakhtiari was out again. And Bakhtiari out once again, even though he's playing on grass. Um, Not today. Everything though. changed. Everything changed in this game when Derek Carr gets slammed to the turf, shoulder first. Um, and you knew as soon as he hit the turf, the way you know that's a certain type of hits a quarterback gets where he gets grabbed in the pocket and then whipped down to the ground and landed right on his shoulder. And sure enough, Ian Rappaport's reporting after the game. He left the game. He goes to the tent, then goes back, and we don't see him again. Uh, and according to Rap Sheet, uh, he seems to have avoided a more serious injury than originally expect, uh, expected, according to Rap Sheet, but he could miss some time, um, but potentially weeks. Uh, the When he plays will be determined by the swelling and how he gains mobility. When they're saying things like, we think he'll be back this year, Buckle up because it's Jameis Winston time. Winston, they uh, go uh, three and out three times in a row before he takes them into field goal range, and then the kicker doesn't help them out. So you have Winston, who's at least an experienced backup here, uh, but everything kind of fell apart here for the Saints. The defense, which had been so good, uh, really, for the first three weeks, and again, three quarters, all of a sudden couldn't stop a nosebleed, and the offense was not able to get those the last three points there that would have saved a disaster could could not be a more disappointing loss if, if you're a Saints fan because of what you said. I think there was a, a feeling and there's a belief that this could be a special Saints defense. And as much as it it's terrible to lose Carr, 
in the fourth quarter. You give up an 82-yard drive, but then you stop them on fourth down. You think, okay, that's probably going to end the game. Then you give up a a field goal drive. You give up a touchdown on a short field after a turnover, and then you give up the 80-yard touchdown drive. So there's something about this Jordan Love group that they're winning games without Watson and Jones and Bakhtiari, and they're making comebacks. I mean... I think a team can get a personality and I know they gave up the big lead a a week ago, but I do think a team can get a personality when they start having games like this early in the season and believing that they can win any type of game. Yeah. Like I think, I think if they're like, again, if there's a benefit to having some of these guys out, it's like the Jaden Reeds of the world, the Romeo Dobbs, like, they're developing and growing, and you kind of see this offense growing together. One thing is, like, the Aaron Jones thing, I think, has stymied them two weeks in a row. Um, he was so explosive when he was on the field. It's like they have, if you take 39 yards away from Jordan Love, and that's a big part of his game, and I love that about Jordan Love. Like, him on the ground has been a factor, but they're they're a mess on the ground otherwise, and that does not work for this offense. And it's time. I mean, the the Packers uh, came very close to getting to 3-0 and here, and they've survived. I mean, this game, like I said, I mentioned Watson. We mentioned Bakhtiari, I mentioned Jones. Also without Jair Alexander, Elton Jenkins on the line. Um, That's crazy. They, they saw, just saw their best players, other than Rashad Gary, who had three sacks. I saw in four quarterback hits. Who's a great ball player. Yeah, they they have to get healthy, and it's like, do they have the week five bye? That would be tremendous. I don't know if they do, uh, but this is a loss that that will will haunt them potentially because uh, you know this is the type of game potential playoff ramifications down the line. Two teams. Can't let this one get away. I kind of like it, though, just because I feel like I like both of these teams being 2-1. and one. Saints didn't totally feel like a 3-0 and o team. So it's just and now the Saints like are going to get Alvin Kamara back next week. Hmm. And hopefully the Packers get their dudes Man, back. Man, Green Bay plays also Thursday night against Detroit. So it's a, it's a fun oh, they it's can't not great get for these break. injuries. Another great uh, week, by the way, for Chris Olave, Greg. 104, Offensive Player of the Year. He's so smooth. It's on, it's on so track. Smooth. So good. And, uh, you know, and Michael Thomas, again, he's staying on the field so far. So good is a nice second banana. But Alave is the dude on this offense. So much for trading Jameis, by the way. I guess you need Jameis. Yeah. You need him to do better. Well, also, yeah, you might find out you want to trade. Works for everybody. All right, let's take a break and uh, we'll continue on. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, we're back. 
Texans, Jaguars, easy dub for Jacks, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Brandon McManus will kick off from our left to right with Mike Boone back deep. One yard deep in the end zone. Last time he let it bounce, and this is going to be inside the 10. Oh, don't get in the way. Oh, he fumbled oh, it. Oh, fullback. Picked up by Beck. Beck still going Wait right a minute. to the Wait, right what? side. Beck has some room. No. 25, 30, No, 35, he's not going to turn 40. the corner. He's at the 50. He's, he's at the 45 the of Jacksonville. Beck across what? the 30, the 20, the 15, 10, 5. Are you kidding? Rock and roll. Touchdown, what? Houston. <laughs> my goodness. What? 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 <laughs> I love that these announcers oh have no idea they're in a five-man booth all of a sudden. The earth started shaking <laughs> yes, in North Florida. And he ran to the right side Listen and to that found crowd. the lane to the end zone. The up back? <laughs> wow. Andrew Beck? The 255-pound fullback? He became the heaviest player. This is a great stat from the AP. The heaviest player in NFL history to return a kickoff for a touchdown. <laughs> that is a great stat. How does one find that out? He was pretty fast. He was pretty fast. I want to tell you one other quick stat. Like, yes, Mark. He's the first fullback yes. since 2016 to reach the vaunted 20 miles per hour mark. Not 21, <laughs> but 20. No, he hit 20? Fullback, first time. That's a good job. In, That's a know. good job by Beck. He also did a bad job stealing the kickoff from the kickoff guy no, and then fumbled it. Like, he ran right in front of him. Like, honestly, I know he's not the intended kickoff guy, but after he does that, you might want to give him an extra I'll look. I'll try him out again. Anyway, 37-17. This is a weird week. Uh, the Texans pound the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Weird, wild stuff. Greg. What? <laughs> yes. I can't I, do that This that sound bite anymore. What? Mark Vandeveer was a call, what? by the way. What? What? <laughs> Mark is, Mark's head's going to explode. I, I've only said it naturally in this show. I'm not asking for it. A lot of what. Uh, I almost feel bad that we didn't give C.J. Stroud and, and Tank Dell the, the highlight just because. Andy Beck needs it, though. Yeah, he needed it. Yeah. But Stroud was the big takeaway yet again. Four starting offensive linemen out. Larry Mutunsel didn't return and Stroud was under pressure in this game and yet he didn't take a single sack. Hmm. Sacks are a quarterback stat. He was making great reads and and look, the the throw to Dell that really put this game away was a 68-yard touchdown pass, blown coverage. We've seen too much of that from the Jaguars. Stroud's shown he can deliver in that spot. But the bigger play to me, to Dell, was early in this game. It was a statement of intent, 46 yards into tight coverage where Stroud makes the perfect read. And that's just a professional throw. He had some out routes in this game. And I know it's just one game, but you just watch these two quarterbacks. And for this one game, C.J. Stroud was definitely playing, outplaying Trevor Lawrence, who was a little afraid to go deep. Uh, and wasn't always making the best decisions. And it wasn't like Trevor Lawrence was a disaster, but Stroud was making up for what was around him, and Trevor Lawrence wasn't, and the Texans deserved to win. You can take that S2 score and stick it where the sun does not exist. That's true. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that whole thing. I mean, he just just looks like a guy. We talked about the first three weeks. Like, it doesn't matter what the rookie – it doesn't matter what you do if you have a good rookie quarterback. And now you're winning in Jacksonville by 20 points. Yeah, this is a a troubling – performance by the Jaguars and you know what did you see uh from Trevor Lawrence here I mean I I'm expecting him to take the leap this year and and uh, and this doesn't seem to point out he took it last year I I think he was just okay and I think he's been okay for most of this season the broadcast talked about him just not seeing the field because he mostly he's just hitting short guys and and they're punting but it was also kind of one of those 
everything that could go wrong did go wrong in the first half. I just want to go through their first half stats. Uh, I mean, their first half drives. Ridley dropped a dime from Lawrence that would have been a 30-yard touchdown. Just beautiful throw. Ridley just totally drops it. Drops another one, by the way, uh, that would that kind of killed the drive later in that. Next drive, Alvin. third down, Travis Etienne trips over Trevor Lawrence, who kind of ran into him. That was kind of on T-Law, but just a bizarre way. Next drive, blocked field goal by Will Anderson, uh, who also made an impact on defense, but just a beautiful block where he just leapt up in the air. That's weird. Then a penalty on a fourth down conversion, like a a holding call. They end up having to punt, and then they fumbled away a catch. So I didn't come away thinking like, oh, the Jaguars' offense is cooked. It was just kind of one of those weird games. The average gains in the offensive yardage was fairly close, and they just made a lot of boneheaded mistakes. But I am concerned about the Jags' defense in general. Yeah, you're giving up 37 points to an in-formation offense that we thought might slow cook the entire season instead they're very much in this AFC South race if they're going to play like this. I mean, and it makes like the Jaguars lost last week to Kansas City, like all the more troubling because they came so close in that one. And now you're one and two. And we assumed they'd be three and oh and just running away with this division. And the Texans are just finding players. To me, that's what the season's all about. Tank Dell, nice slot receiver. He's not going to go five for 145 often. Uh, but I think a nice rookie slot receiver, Nico Collins, exploded last week. Like they're they're finding players and in, in did Will Anderson supporting. block that field goal? Yeah, yeah, that was I mean, it was one of the wow. best field goal blocks I've seen in a long time because he just steamrolled the guy in front of him and his vertical leap was just outrageous. It was not on the kicker. It was actually the first missed kick or block kick of McManus's career. So it was I wasn't so on the tough kicker. special teams day for Jacksonville. Yes, very well. tough, very tough. I mean, you gave up a freaking kickoff return for touchdown to a fullback and Agnew. Oh, that was on offense, but he is their. Kick returner lost the fumble, so it was Wolf. it was just like an ugly, ugly flush it game. Let's get out of the let's get out of the theater of the bazaar, and you know, no more upsets. Enough upsets. <laughs> so the Ravens at home will take care of business against no the doubt. Colts, playing on. with their sure. backup quarterback. All right, let's get this under control. Wait, what? <laughs> so this again what? is a yard field goal from Matt Gay. It's between the hash marks. Sanchez Matt Gay, baby. Down. Luke Rhodes will snap it. Measuring the kick is Gay. Waiting on the long snap. There it is. Placement. Kick is on its way. It has the distance. It's up. And it is good. Oh, my goodness. Ball game. I-N-D. Oh, my God. What a great win. (laughs) Mad Gay. Stroking the 53-yarder in OT in the house that Tucker built. Is this the kicker corner? Oh, we are in the club, baby. And mm. deep in the club. Gay. It's gay night at the kicker club. Behind the velvet ropes, popping bottles. By the way, also hit another 53-yarder and a 54-yarder in this game. It, and I think Justin Tucker was short on a bomb. Yes, I want to talk about why I think that happens. Mark. Yeah. Anthony Richardson out with a concussion. We know Gardner Minshew is a very capable backup. How do the Ravens not take care of business at home here? Well, number one, I think Shane Steichen is like turning out to be what we hoped. And like Gardner Minshew was, I, I think in this situation, not a major downgrade from Richardson. I think we kind of felt that way going in. He was very competent. Um, the Ravens, though, uncharacteristic to what Baltimore typically looks like. They had some weird stuff going on in this game. Uh, th- so Gardner Minshew, the one major error he made, he had like a Dan Orlovsky-esque safety where he stepped oh. out, of, out of the back of the end zone. Toughy. That made it 19 to 16 late in the game okay 
And so the Ravens get the ball back with 2.03 left on the ensuing kickoff after the safety. And it's like, here's your chance. You're up by three. Convert a first down or at least do what you can to give the Colts um, in bad weather no chance back. They have the ball for 22 seconds. Mm. The Colts get the ball back. That's where you get Matt Gay's first 53-yard field goal that ties at 19-19. All right, but the Colts themselves did that so quickly that they left 57 seconds on the clock. A second problem I have here, because Lamar Jackson opened up wonderfully, five for five. He only had seven completions in the first half. Like, their offense was kind of hinky. And at one point, now, you've got, you're on this drive, and you need to get into Justin Tucker's amazing range for a field goal. And on, let's see here, it was first and 10 on the Baltimore 49. With 23 seconds remaining, Lamar Jackson starts rolling out. There's a lot of Colts pressure. It's the third week in a row where the Colts defensive line's playing well. It's a clear place where you throw the ball away. You're not in a good situation. Mm. It's raining. And instead of it, Lamar, like, you know, assuming that he's got this escapability, which he does, he doesn't escape. The Colts are all over him. He's being dragged to the ground. And then at that point, tries to whip the ball, fling it out of bounds. But it's ruled that his knee touches. So you're now sitting at third and 20. And he hits Nelson Aguilar for 18 yards. But then you're in this fourth and two position where had you been smarter, you might have gotten further up. That's why Justin Tucker is forced to try to hit a 61-yarder that is like a foot short. Mm. I, he thought that, he made had, it, though. He thought... thought oh, it looked, he the announcers thought they did first. He thought two. it was yeah. Tucker night. And then suddenly... This guy who doesn't get a lot of credit, but oh, by the way, hit a ton of big time kicks to win the Super Bowl, gets the biggest contract in kicker history, and it's Matt Gay night. Hey. Yeah. Well, I think it would have been Justin Tucker night had they done a few things differently in the final two minutes of that game. They're, he they're thought so, he made it, though. He was disappointed. Well, it, was, it was right down the middle. It's, it's like where you can't see if it went in or not yeah. if you're in front of it. But, like, they are missing so many guys. I like I don't know. They didn't have Justice Hill or Gus Edwards at one point in this game. They're, no Ronnie Stanley. No, no Tyler Ronnie Linderbaum. Stanley, no like, LBJ. Their injury report was preposterous it was, on Friday. It was seven starters. Yeah, out. and I think, like, Plus the Marlon Humphrey absence, Marcus Williams, like, that's where some of the big plays came for the Colts passing. I want to mention one, one other guy before I pass it off. Like, Kyle Hamilton, three sacks in the first half. He tied the record for most sacks in the game by a defensive back in NFL history. Was absolutely dominant. Tackles in the backfield, batted passes, um, Created so many problems for the Colts. They have a potential star player. Mm. Annoying loss for the Ravens. You got to get the three and zero here. Tough. How about the first place Colts? Three weeks into the season, all by their lonesome. every week, just feisty. Every week this season, they've been interesting to watch, and for the most part, successful. In fact, the game they lost was the home game. They won both their road contests he- in this in that AFC South. This duck's gonna hunt. Pittman's a real player, too. I think they've Good found today. a slot yep. guy in, in downs. Uh, Pittman having a nice contract year. Let's hope Anthony Richardson's on the field next week. It's signs are pointing toward him clearing concussion protocol, and uh, and you put him back in the line, but as much as I like Minshew, the team gets dangerous, and Jonathan Taylor hypothetically returns at some point. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, all right, no, seriously, though, enough. <laughs> Time to restore order. Chiefs against Bears. Enough. Wait a second. No, just kidding. It was no, a damn bloodbath. Third down goal to go for the Chiefs at the three-yard line. Mahomes looking right. Back of the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Kansas City for the 48th time. Finds Travis Kelsey. Nine yards deep in the end zone. And the Chiefs lead 40 to nothing. Three touchdown passes for Patrick Mahomes. 
I'll tell you what, that felt strangely important because the game obviously was way out of hand. The Bears aren't even a real team right now. But he had Taylor Swift, Swift, potentially the most famous woman on the planet right now, flying to Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Travis Kelsey. Yep. If you're boat racing a team the way the Chiefs are doing, and you got T-Swift up there, you better get Kelsey a TD in this game. And I really think they were that last drive, and, and Mahomes exited shortly after. He's like, "We're Kelsey's scoring here, and then we're done. Sure enough, Blaine Gabbard exit, entered the game shortly thereafter, and the Chiefs coast to a ridiculously easy 41-10 win over the Bears, who, again, I, I we've covered a lot of bad teams on this show. We've covered teams that didn't win a game on this show. But, and I know it's the Chiefs, and that's, and that's important to point out, and the Chiefs that were hungry to get right after a frustrating start to the season. But the Bears just look like they're not even coached. Like the Bears, and I know their defensive coordinator, just stepped away, and he's no longer with the team. And Iberflus has his hands full trying to figure out how to get Justin Fields going, which, by the way, they still haven't figured that out three weeks in. Uh, but there's just wide open prairie lands for these Chiefs receivers. And, in fact, if Juwan Taylor, who got benched again, by the way, their right tackle, wow. doesn't continually line up um, – offside or an illegal procedure by being too far off the line of scrimmage. They would have scored another touchdown at the end of the half on a completely uncovered chiefs receiver wandering into the end zone uh, that costs MBS a score. So the chiefs make it easy, look easy and the bears have never looked more lost. Well, you, I think you can put it like, yes, it's the chiefs, but it's the 2023 chiefs who had struggled in back-to-back weeks against defenses uh, who've had pretty bad days this season. You know, so you can't put it on Eberflus. He's a defensive coach, and his defensive coordinator left. There was some more reporting about that. That was, it was something that he did in the building. But they were dead last in every single possible defensive category since the day Eberflus took over in 2022. And they've put all their resources, or a lot of resources, in their draft halls in defense. And so that being a failure is really reflected on Eberflus. I think they came in with a essentially on paper non-existent pass rush. Um, I'm with you, Dan. They stand out. It's it's the terrible week they had um, off the field too. You know, I think on top of everything else that we've talked about, do you know that um, thieves, uh, robbers broke into Soldier Field uh, yes, during the week that. and stole over a hundred thousand dollars of loot. I'm not sure what the loot was. It's like you're having a bad week. Uh, you're having a bad year, Bears. And and Mahomes has made a lot of defenses look sorry in his brilliant career. But it never looked easier than it did for Pat Mahomes in this game. His his numbers are great. for He played like three-plus quarters. 24 of 33, 272, three touchdowns, no picks, wasn't sacked. Pass rating of 127. He could have easily had five touchdown passes in the first half in this game. One touchdown got called back, hmm. half-yard line. Like I said, uh, Juwan Taylor got another one waved off with an illegal procedure. Um, and it, it was just like, man, I don't know. Like you guys, we were talking about it in the newsroom. Like, I feel like I'm waking up tomorrow and if Matt Eber, Eberflus is fired, I wouldn't be stunned just because the team I watched is not competitive and doesn't seem like they're even listening to coaching right now. That's just the way it seems. It's the, it's, it's, it's the second week in a row where they're spending the second half panning the Bears bench and they, they talk about a tangible kind of downbeat low energy a week ago and like you saw it all over again and I think 
Justin Fields like got hurt at one point in this game for like the fifth time in like a year. And like Justin Fields, the passer, who seemed to grow at the end of last season. Obviously, we don't solve what we could do on the ground. The ground thing's not happening the same way, and he's not evolving. Well, you, and again, he's also this is a team wide meltdown. Uh, he throws a beautiful dime uh, to DJ Moore, who is supposed to be the guy now, goes right through his hands. You could not have thrown a better ball. That's like a 50 yard game. Uh, wiped away because his number one wideout can't make a play. But otherwise, he throws for under 100 yards in this game. Like we predicted, he did run the ball more, but still not even not even in the ways that you would think. Like you you didn't see a game plan in my mind where it was like they were going for something different here. They still um, and, and the final stats don't really tell the story. It makes it look like they ran the ball with some success. There was just nothing there during the game when this mattered. And it was it was just it was a grisly bloodbath. Well, you. You heard, you saw some uh, disturbing reports of if, if I was Eberflus on Sunday morning, kind of like, actually, we we rallied the troops and it brought us together and there was high energy and we had great practices. When you hear the great practices, you know it's 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 trouble. Like we feel really good about this going into the game, and then you come out and and this shows up, and I think Eberflus could lose his job, Dan, but. There's no one to replace him on the roster because Getsy's been a bigger mess. You don't have a coordinator, and and so it, it'd have to be outside. And it's so early in the season for like the total reset. They play the Broncos next week. It's I just feel like that would happen later. It's also an ownership group that has you know that they're slow to the draw. Yeah, they're maybe a little slow to the draw. Older, and I think it's a, I actually think it's a, a big thing for the Chiefs to put a hurting on someone just to show that they can against you know. Not that I doubted it. I know a lot of nice. football fans are not even interested in the Taylor Swift side of things and find it annoying how many times they were cutting back to, to the booth. But like she exists in a very special um, tier of celebrity right now. Uh, like there are very few um, people in pop culture that have attained a level of success and fame that she's at. Like if she is actually dating Travis Kelsey now, this is, I'm not going to use the D word distraction, but it's a, it's like a it's a crazy thing. Like she is one of the most, if not the most famous woman in the world right now. And now Travis Kelsey is going to be dating her. And it's kind of just wild to wrap your head around it. <laughs> like it's this is now a real thing because she was at the game sitting next to Kelsey's mom uh, and, and the repeated cuts to her and the, and the photos from the social team in NFL. Like, I mean, you've, you've been a big time Swift fan for as long as I've known you. So yes. what are your feelings? I know you haven't watched Catching Kelsey, no. um, Wes and Keisha's you know favorite show back in the day. I think day. they were the only two people that watched. <laughs> are you happy with Travis her? Is all right with yeah, her just choice? Like, what are you? What are your feelings? What are your feelings? I think here? yeah, I think he's a he's a good catch. Nailed it. I also think uh, uh, it, it probably feels pretty doomed. I don't know. It seems. Well, like, I don't know. The only thing, I, I, I gave her like good, really good shit, like yep. girlfriend points for like the way she was interacting with Donna Kelsey up in the little sweet there. They seem to be getting along for real. It seemed real and organic to me. There's no way to talk about what we were talking about. In the news. No, but no, there is not. Not on this show. No. The, I'm looking at some footage of her her and Travis leaving with like the, the Chief's jacket wrapped around her waist and stuff. Let me I mean, it's, it's, ask this one question, Mark. Answer this one question, then we'll move on. Yeah. Are they both having a light dinner tonight? I'd say certainly. Yes, I believe it. Let's move on. For the first time, are they having a light dinner? Absolutely not, in my mind. 
on second down and goal now from the five. Let's leave it there. <laughs> Play fake. Gino's going to throw back in the end zone. Reaching up. Making the catch. Is it a touchdown? Agree to disagree. It is a Do disagree. Hard. Touchdown. Seahawks. We're still waiting. Yes. Touchdown <laughs> Bobo. Seahawks. Jake Bobo. A high throw. <laughs> back line of the end zone. It took the official forever. <laughs> yeah, throw that official under the bus. I love it. Who said Who said that cool names are gone? Who said there are no more cool names? Jake Bobo. <laughs> yeah, baby. Steve Rabel with the call. K-I-R-O. The Seahawks are back at it on offense after a um, Tough week one, big week two, and now a big week three. They rush for 146 yards on the ground. Geno Smith throws a touchdown, throws for nearly 300. And the Seahawks roll 37-27 over the Panthers. Uh, Greg, 10-point final. This was a pretty close game throughout with Andy Dalton uh, starting for the rookie. Yeah, and Andy Dalton, I think, gave them a much better chance to win. He played well. It just proves the uh, infinite wisdom of the Dalton scale. I think the Dalton scale still exists. I think Andy Dalton is still the perfect person for the Dalton line in 2023 because you throw him in there in a terrible situation where he has no running game and he's under pressure, and he kept the minute for like three and a half quarters only because he could deliver under pressure, I think the numbers were crazy. It was something like 70% of plays he was pressured on, and their offensive line is terrible. And uh, the Seahawks, who I don't think of as like a rugged team, dominated both lines. Ken Walker and Charbonnet end up running through this Panthers uh, defense, who, who had a lot of injuries. And the Seahawks defensive line, as I mentioned, got after Dalton, despite him putting up 361 and two. And the Seahawks move on with it when they better have gotten. Is there any world where, like, maybe you keep Dalton in there for a while? Or is it like, you know, no matter what, what's, we just need Bryce point? Young to... I mean, I think it's the latter, but it's just like... But why would you? Don't you want the rookie to develop? Oh, the, I do, I do, but I think I, it just... They they seem more competent. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, so Thielen goes 11 for 145 in a touchdown. DJ Chark had four for 86, including, you know, a beautiful throw by Dalton. Dalton really played quite well in this game under the circumstances. I would say he outplayed Gino, I guess, for most of it. Gino had a couple turnover-worthy plays early that he got away with, did have one interception, and then he played really well in the second half, and they steamrolled. The injuries on both sides are, though, just outrageous. It feel, I know we probably say this every year, but it really feels like more injuries this year. Both of these teams are missing like eight or nine guys, but here's who went out for uh, Carolina just during this game. C.J. Henderson, who had replaced J.C. Horn. Frankie Louvu, who's been maybe their best player this year. Xavier Woods, uh, starting safety. Jonathan Mingo uh, had concussion uh, on, at receiver. The Seahawks, at one point, lost the fourth of their fifth starting offensive lineman. So they're playing without three starters. They actually got him back uh, later in the game. And, and Jaron Reed played well and Metcalf. And, and I'm encouraged that they, they have a running game. Ken Walker, some of the moves when you see it, like, He's a boomer bust runner. He's the definition of it. But my God, the booms are outrageous. He had about four runs in this game that took my breath away. I like Charbonnet, too. I'm Mark. Uh, yeah, Mark and Greg. Yeah. Zach Charbonnet, what he did to Sam Franklin. <laughs> that was on the goal line. I'm yeah. sure if you want to get a, like a detailed, multiple-angle look at it, I have a good feeling, without consulting with the talent or the producers, that that is the angry run 
of Good Morning Football. Oh, okay. Uh, Monday telecast. Yeah. Um, that poor man, Sam Franklin, <laughs> got thrown five yards near the goal line. Like, you don't really, you don't come back from that. That's kind of it now. I need to see the replay he has again. to retire. Because I feel That's like. That's the rule. I feel like he, he got up so quickly. I hadn't heard of him either. I think he's like the backup to the he backup. He's a backup. Well, he was. Just looking he away. was. Yeah, he's, he's now not around now anymore. Has been completed. He, I think he's gone. Yep. Remember in the old video games where the, the bad guy would die and then he would just like disappear? Sure. That's what happened to poor Sam Franklin. It's unfair. Cause Eagle. I think he, I, th- I got to watch it again, but I think he might have done the thing where he popped up and pretended to try to celebrate almost to throw the people off the set because <laughs> it, it was, it wasn't a touchdown. He did. He did go out at like the one yard line. So he was like, yeah, I stopped you, but Roberts and Chavez are all over this. We're, we're going to watch it. Watch us on YouTube. If you haven't seen way. it. Charbonnet, the other. This is not fair. And this is what you're talking about. Watch the finish. No. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Give me a little Jonathan. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just preach all the oh, my time. God. He went. Not an exaggeration. It's also like it's he lands on his left leg and that it almost propels him even farther away from the scene. That's Sam Franklin's probably the greatest high school athlete that ever graced his particular school. Right. And he was just thrown seven feet, seven yards and then evaporated. Not a high point. Toughy. Anything else? I mean, this, you know, was a courageous lock that Gino came through for me <laughs> in the clutch. We see what you're doing. Thanks, Gino. Good job. Nice job by you. All right. One more game. It's Sunday Night Football. Can he run over 10 yards? His chunk. Now this fake bootleg left. Goes for the end zone. Touchdown, Steelers. Pat Fryermuth, his second of the year. Move. Feels it. Sweet. That's Oops. what it is right there. What a great job. I'm telling you what, that's a great corner route by the Mooth. Oh. The Mooth. Mooth. Bill Hillgrove with the call WVE. Beautiful drive there, led by Kenny Pickett. Uh, the clinching score for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who withstand a late comeback attempt by the Raiders in a 23-18 win in Vegas. In a game attended, forget about Taylor Swift, Carrie Underwood was in the truck at NBC watching her own Sunday Night Football theme and, like, bobbing her head. Well, that, okay, a, a bona fide star, but don't even forget about Taylor Swift. You know who I want to forget about? And we're going to talk about the Steelers. Josh McDaniels. Oh. I can't do it. I, yeah, I mean, know. and I imagine how Raiders fans feel. The, I mean, what are we doing? Like, what what are we trying to do? <laughs> okay, it's 23-7, and they score a touchdown. They get a two-point conversion. It's 23-15. It's an eight-point game. They get stopped, what, around the 25 or so, Greggy, and they bring out the field goal team, and then they kick the field goal. But wait, there's a penalty, leverage, kind of a soft call, but whatever. Absurd call. I didn't believe, I didn't agree with the first decision to send out Daniel Carlson. First one was it's crazy. Fourth and six. You're down by eight. It's in the second half of the fourth quarter. Three fifteen to go. They then get down inside the ten yard line. It's fourth and four. You're down eight. Four yards. Six plus two equals eight. And you kick a field goal because you're so confident all of a sudden in your defense. 
to get a stop and get the ball back, which of course they don't because the football gods are like up your nose with a rubber hose. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, Josh McDaniels, it boggles the mind. Like this is, a, this is an offensive guru who has like 400 Super Bowl rings. I, I'm surprised we didn't choose Daniel Carlson's 26-yard field goal as the highlight. It's a disgrace. That's Josh McDaniels' favorite play. It's so insane. Like, make a monument to cutting the lead to five Josh McDaniels. Because in the world that you're this confident world. that the two 2023 Raiders are going to get a three and out. Like, you're, you're making that bet. You're saying... The only way we win this game is we're definitely getting a three and out. And then we're definitely getting down the field past the eight yard line where it would be easier to score a touchdown. We're definitely going to do all that in two and a half minutes. The only way that that even makes any sense is the same world where you can be confident in that same defense to get a three and out on the Steelers Thank you. inside the 10 yard line and give yourself a chance to make it a touchdown. What's Stop happening? It. This is like a it, under Josh McDaniels, the Raiders are an identity free offense beyond Devontae Adams, uh, where other coaches around the league have gotten more aggressive. This is how he approaches the end of the game. I, I we, you, we watched this in a different place. I was sitting there baffled by this. Like, they, I mean, what are we doing? Because I mean, what it suggests, number one, that you're going to get out of a second drive without a Jimmy G interception or turnover. He leads the league in picks. They can't run the ball. Beyond Devontae Adams, you got nothing going on, and you're going to put yourself into a perilous situation like that. Josh McDaniels, it literally lowers my enjoyment of the game. I was watching that being like, this Raider, I, I am friends with some Raiders fans. So I was, the texts are coming in left and right on this group thread. And they're like, they've lost, they're just like, how, how dull to the eyes can the Raiders possibly be? What do they do well? What is their identity? But it's like dull to the eyes, sure. But I'm saying just from a, a strategic standpoint, there's <laughs> right. nothing dull about 23 15 fourth down inside the opponent's like five yard line with a chance to potentially tie the game. Well, it must have been fourth and 17, right? And then, and then you kick the field. Oh, no, wait, it's you, fourth and four. And, four yards. And you and you kick the field goal. And and you know what? Uh, not It wasn't just me. Greggy, I think you felt the same way. Mark, I'm sure you felt the same way. When Matt Canada, to his credit, has the perfect play call uh, on that third down or second down to pick up the first down that effectively ended it. You know what? Good. Take it. Yep. Josh McDaniels. Learn from it. Yep. But the clock's ticking, my friend, because I would imagine, I don't know if, what you guys think about Mark Davis and his football acumen and his level of patience, but that had to be a very annoying game to watch as the owner as well, watching the decision making that was made in crunch time. I mean, Jackpot, baby! You've given Jacoby Myers $16 million guaranteed. He's an incredible number two receiver. He's three times the receiver that Juju Smith-Schuster is, who got the same amount of money from the Patriots. Greg was c- going through some things. All I mean, it's, it's the yeah. one receiver the Patriots have developed in the last 15 years, and you let him walk away for Juju Smith-Schuster. Tuffy. Then uh, that's on one side of the field, matchup against Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson. On the other side of the field, you have a first ballot Hall of Famer who has 172 yards and two touchdowns. How about we give uh, one of those two guys a chance to get five yards? Couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Uh, on the Steelers side, progress <laughs> for offense. Um, and you needed that. You needed something. I'm not saying they were over the moon here with offense. They only had 333 total yards. Um, but like I said at the top, that that drive um, finishing with the fire move t- touchdown was really clinical. It was, I, it was, you guys watched the games that I didn't. 
in preseason. I bet that's what it looked like. That's what that's how they drew it up in preseason. And it finally looked like it. Now, is that something they could build on? We'll see because they're not a finished product by any means. But for the first time as I'm watching, I'm like, OK, you see it. You can see how it could work. Yeah, I'll take it in streaks. I mean, they had a period in this game where they scored on five of six drives. Uh, and then they were kind of quiet at the end. And that, you know, it's like you can't count on them the whole game. But I just see guys like Calvin Austin, Jalen Warren, George Pickens, and then Kenny Pickett in that stretch where they were productive tonight. I thought he threw the ball with confidence. It's like he was pretty well protected. And, like, he had one near terrible pick six on a throw to Marcus Peters that didn't happen. So would you throw it, that, that would have changed too. the game. That Absolutely. Would. But, like, but you got a better version of Kenny Pickett tonight. Um, it's They've been a mystery to me because Matt Canada, obviously, like, a, the subject of much ire, um, I, I don't. I, I'm surprised he's still on the team, to be honest. Uh, but there are a lot of there's a lot of young talent, and you started to see them get a little more creative and comfortable. So it's like you build off it. I mean, it helps, you know, going against the Raiders, a pretty limited pass rush outside of Max Crosby. Uh, but I agree with you. They got into a rhythm. He he made some throws inside the pocket, which was nice to see, not just scrambling. And you know, they do have a defense to rely on. Look, T.J. Watt, another couple sacks. He's up to six. Leads the league. This defensive player of the year race. I hate people talking about races after week three, but it is. I love it. It is kind of a race. I feel like there is something a here, race though. Rayhan once and for all. I, I I think there is something here between him, Watt, Garrett especially, and Parsons starting off the three of them like a house on fire. Those are three truly great players that are going to have this race. And then they, they found someone else. They have, they, they always uncover these defensive linemen, Keanu Benton, who's more of a nose tackle, defensive tackle, but getting up the field. Like he's had another uh, couple good weeks here. And he, he took over that game for a little bit in the that, second half. So they got some going too. That sack he's, he had, he was in the backfield in the blink of an eye and uh, in, in the takedown of Jimmy G. Um, all right. Any other thoughts? Big win. No, that's it. I don't, I will not select when we do our drafts. I will not select a game involving the Raiders unless I'm forced into it in the, with the final pick. Um, again, this season, I cannot, I I have to do <laughs> well, it this out is, of well, protecting this is a, self. They, well, this is a primetime game and they have, I think, four more, Mark. So you can't. That's, that's, that's generous. The pale. Why on earth were they given four of these games? I mean, I know why it's the Raiders. By the way, you're in Las Vegas in your shiny new stadium. I, you guys didn't have sound where you were. Like it was essentially three rivers. It was uh, terrible towers left and right. I had the Air- AirPods. Yeah, we put the oh. AirPods in. Yeah. Well, I don't have AirPods. Uh, they, we in. we in the in the film room, which by the way, I got off a joke that got Steve Smith howling with laughter. Well, that's why you go. And then I in just, that place, I just I turned back to Greg, the row behind me, just bang, gave him a thumbs up. <laughs> I up, son. I up. <laughs> um, that's why you're in the film room to get that type of reaction from a Hall of Fr- Famer. From Steve Smith. And, um, yes, the sound wasn't on in there. And there's, like, 14 guys sitting in there just listening, watching a screen with no sound. And I, I just, it, my mind was blown that everyone was just sitting in there in total silence. Well, that was my reaction. Well, it's a big... I, I don't have my AirPods with me. I'll bring them next week if the, if the place is going to be non-functional. It's like, I was out of there. Smart. Smart. All right. Sorry, I didn't, make, I didn't make Steve Smith laugh with my exit or entrance, but, uh, you know. It was uh, guffaw. We also, we, al- we also got some good juju uh, juju takes from him. I mean, it was, it was fine. <laughs> well, we did. <laughs> Leave it there. Let him share those if he chooses to. Yes. Uh, what was the What was the bit? I don't oh, know. I want to hear the juju well, stuff well, much more. Actually. What was my bit? Uh, it was something about nothing. 
A, a thumbs down is is. Uh, oh yeah, it just so happens that on a, a PI call in the end zone, um, <laughs> the defender for the Steelers gave a thumbs down to the referee, <laughs> and I said, you know, a good. I think I said a good thumbs down is kind of like uh, underrated. You don't see it enough. <laughs> and and Smith, he went off with laughter, and I just turned back. I look at Greg. <laughs> gave him the thumbs up. All right. Yeah, as you should. I think that you know. <laughs> You know, in life, especially as you get older, it's kind of like the little things that you take joy in. Wherever you can find it. Little pockets of happiness. Good app. Good app. By the way, I was off by one. You guys reminded me that um, the 18 game the second yeah. year of the 18-game schedule. I thought, this is the I third. Thought this, was, this is the third. This is the third. I, yes. Um, so I think this was our 75th uh, Sunday flagship show in the regular season. 175th. Feels that way. 175. Yeah, that's because it is, according to our conversation. All right, this is that is when you know it's time. It's like Sunday night at 9 p.m. Give me a break. <laughs> All right, see you Monday night. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.